I just want to keep singing. How about the rest of you? How about we just sing all that a couple more times and go home? Is he not a good, good father? Good morning, sisters. So when our eldest children were preschoolers, Jeff and I were anticipating um, those school-age years. We heard a message that greatly impacted us. Um, the essence of it, argued from God's word, is that whether you homeschool, private school, or public school, your responsibility, your mandate in God's word as parents is to be an intentional schooler. Engaged in what your child learns, how they learn, and with whom they're learning. So we found this counsel both weighty and freeing, and so we then decided the Lord was leading us to approach each school year and each of our four children individually. Now this led to chaos. (laughs) We have done everything. Nobody likes us. We have homeschooled, private schooled, and public schooled creating tensions among, among us all. After homeschooling our youngest, Emmeline, for two years, Jeff sensed God was leading us to send her to Fresno Christian in second grade. So seven-year-old Emmeline entered into Mrs. Keck's classroom and became a Keck cubby. Too cute, huh? So we kept our eyes and our hearts wide open to all that she was learning, how, and with whom. What surprised me most was what she already knew. Emmeline walked into that second grade classroom not knowing a soul and immediately knew who was in and who was out. Who was friends with whom, and she could even intuitively know why. Emmeline intuitively sensed with which cubbies she was welcomed and with which she was not welcomed. See, there were invisible lines, and she knew them, and she didn't cross them. They're all cubbies, same math facts, same spelling tests, same field trips, same lunchtime. None were left out, but many were left behind. And I thought of Emmeline and Mrs. Keck's cubbies this week in our study of 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul finishes this first letter, recognizing that although the Thessalonians have been brought into God's family, they are all children of God, together brought into a life that is forever. There did exist invisible boundary lines that were being observed at least by some. None were left out, but many were left behind. And if we're honest, we will admit that in the room of Christianity, maybe in this very room, there are often invisible boundary lines. We may even draw them ourselves due to our pride or our insecurity. These series of short commands at the end of this first letter are the outworking of what appears to be the key verse. Be at peace among yourselves. This is not a passive peace. This is a very active peace. Peace with God in order to act peaceable is what this means. The root word peace is to be joined in, to be set at one again. Christians are those who have forever been joined to Christ. They are at peace with God. But this peace with God is in order to act peaceable. To live together as one. None left out means none left behind. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 28, Paul, by the hand of God, is detailing this command, which teaches us that none left out means none left behind, that none of us miss out. So stand to read with me. 1 Thessalonians 5. through 28. Father, as we open your word, we pray for a demonstration of your spirit's power.
power to be among us. Have your way with us. Oh, Lord, let us not just read your word. Let it read us for your glory and our good. Amen. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Father, we thank you for your living word. You may have a seat. God has given this to us that we might not miss out on all that he intends for our life together that is forever. We have been given this passage to address our own areas of tension which means I'm going to create tension. (laughs) That we might be at peace among ourselves, beginning with none left out, beginning with the lines and tensions that exist towards those that God has placed over us. Paul is asking the Thessalonians to recognize not only their need for leaders over them, but to also recognize the very real needs of those leaders. And this is for us today. We are to be at peace Paul is telling us by God's hand with the reality that we need people to teach us. We need people to admonish us, to caution us, to set us right, to correct us. We need protection. We need warnings. The Thessalonians had issues. Invisible lines that were dividing them and harming them. Idleness, sexuality, sexual morality, grieving, persecution, false teaching. All these issues were existing, creating invisible lines that were, being, that were refusing to be erased. We have some of these very same lines. We also have a line with those in authority over us. A tension that exists. Some of us have been greatly harmed by authority. The very thing we need, though, to help us with our issues is authority. And to dismiss all authority because of our bad experience is to dismiss the help we need. It is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. When we humbly recognize our needs, we are not only at peace about having leaders over us, we are grateful to God for giving Christ-like leaders willing to labor among us. Paul's assumption here is that these are Christ-like leaders. And so, as I talk about this, I'm going to be making that assumption. Christ-like leaders. We are to be grateful to God for giving his people, Christ-like leaders, willing to labor among us. And that gratitude erases the tension. Whether the tension is, is because of fear or pride, or sometimes it's just flat-out envy. We envy those in leadership. And let me tell you, if you envy anyone in leadership, it's because you've never really led. <laughs> At least not Christ-like. Being over people you are like 
is hard. It is exhausting. I get such a tiny, tiny taste of this. And so I am so in awe of our elders and our pastors. You know, we have over 55 churches among us. That's a lot of leaders that are represented in this room. Leadership looks really great to those who have never done it. That if it's unto the Lord, the weightiness is overwhelming. Hebrews 13, 7, 17 tells us how overwhelming it is. Remember your... Look at what we have to do and how, what they have to do. Remember your leaders, us, they speak, to, speak the word of God. Okay, you lost me there. That's enough. But they are also to consider the outcome of the way of their life. That means their lives are, are fishbowl. And to imitate their faith, meaning they are to live a life that is imitatable. We are to obey and to submit to them and then get to get, listen to what they get to do. Keep watch over our souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. Oh, when we let the weightiness of leadership impact us, oh Lord, help us only contribute to their joy. Let us not be a source of their grumbling. It is to our disadvantage and it is to their disadvantage. So we are to be at peace with this reality that we need others over us and with this gift of God to give us leaders. And then we are to be peaceable. We are to act peaceable. And we do this by respecting them, honoring them, recognizing them as legitimate. More so, this is to have contempt for contempt. When that tension arises, when we're tempted to judge or to feel insecure or to draw those lines, to have contempt for that contempt. It is to our advantage. God sees we need leaders. It is his gift to us. Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Those over us are no exception. And in many ways, they are the ones we most need to be praying for and admonish and encouraging. With our actions, we do this by recognizing, by heeding their instructions Oh, we would give our leaders such joy if we saw them as given to us to prevent our messes rather than to fix them afterwards. So many times we don't heed the very word of God they proclaim. We disobey it and then we go to them and ask them to fix it. How great would it be for our leaders among us, our elders and our pastors, if we heeded the instruction from God? And rather than looking to them to fix the messes we've made, we heed it to prevent those messes, and then we call them, and we write them, and we say, guess what? I heard the word of God through you, and because of that, I, dis- I obeyed God when I wanted to disobey, and listen to the fruit. Wow. That would be joy. That would eliminate any grumbling that any pastor or leader is tempted to do. How about with our affirmations? In the Lord. That is exactly one of the examples I just gave. To affirm them in the Lord. To share how God is changing you through their labor. Not a quick text. As Jeff was saying to the men last night, it's so easy to pop off a quick email or a quick text that just says, thanks a lot, great sermon. But to write a letter that says, this is what God said to me. And this is how I hated it. This is what I heard him tell me to do with it, specifically in my life. And this is the result They don't need to hear that was a good message. That was a great talk. That's really what they really don't need to hear. It's not a talk. It is a labor of love. It is like giving birth. And what what encourages them is to be encouraged in the Lord. That God spoke. Not that they spoke. 
and to affirm them to the Lord. Paul says, brothers, pray for us. See, we often draw a line regarding their needs. We think they're less needy. But in reality, I think leaders are more needy. Their joy is so tied up in us, and at the same time, they're human. They have to deal with their own flaws and their own weaknesses and their own faint-heartedness. I love what I heard once said, if a church wants a better pastor, it may only need to pray for the one it has. If we want better elders, pray for the ones we have. This changes our attitude. And with our attitude, we are to be peaceable. This means to have affectionate recognition. We don't just respect or submit, but we do so lovingly. They want a relationship with us. They want us to love them. And in love, that means that there will be times they disappoint us. Their lives are not flawless. None of ours are. We all have areas of faint-heartedness and weakness. And if we draw boundary lines that set them above rather than over, above, we draw boundary lines that set them above us, we will eventually draw lines that set them below us because they will disappoint us. And the tension will be massive to our disadvantage and to the disadvantage of the church. Proverbs reminds us, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. None left out. Not those over us and not those beside us. Paul is asking the Thessalonians to also recognize the church is filled with needy, messy people. Wouldn't the church be a great place if there were no such thing as people? (laughs) And the great thing about the church is that's exactly who it attracts. Because that's that's who Jesus came for. To seek and to save the lost. Should we not be surprised they are among us? Should we not be surprised they are us? The church is filled with needy, messy people, and there, and we need every one of them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book *Life Together*, every Christian community must realize that not only do the weak need the strong, but also the, that the strong cannot exist without the weak. The elimination of the weak is the death of the fellowship. I was thinking about this. That is absolutely true. If we have no weak among us, that means this kingdom is not expanding. It is the death of this fellowship when we all die. When the weak come in, when the faint-hearted come in, this means the gospel is spreading. This is something to rejoice in and to serve them that we might see God's great, great power that changes lives. We are to be at peace with this reality. And this is a reality for us that there's messy people all around us and we are one of them. This is a reality for us, not just for our leaders. We like to say, I even got a call from like three churches in another town of somebody sending someone to me. Like, no, it's all of our job. We are all to enter in. Not just leaders. Besides us are those who are idle, disorderly, undisciplined, neglecting what they are supposed to be doing at the expense of others, neglecting what they are supposed to be doing at your expense. Talk about tension. Beside us, they are the faint-hearted, timid, discouraged, the easily scared. When Olivia was five, we were at Wildwater, and she hit a step and cut open her chin. And we kind of had the whole, okay, who's taking her to the hospital? And I said, I'll do it. And Jeff kind of was like, are you sure? And I said, absolutely, I'm good. So we're driving all the way to the hospital. I got her chin covered, blood everywhere. We get to the urgent care, and the minute she is in the doctor's hands, boom, I'm out. (laughs) Cold. I wake up on a gurney. 
and she's got her cute little legs swinging on the side of the bed, drinking a Sprite. Mommy, did you have a good nap? I faint at the sight of blood now. I never did before. But since then, look out. Or catch me. <laughs> this is the idea here. Easily scared, easily discouraged. There is a blood. There is something in their lives that causes them to pass out. For the Thessalonians, it may have been loss, death, persecution. Those are some hints we get from the text. Beside us, there are the faint-hearted. And beside us, there are the weak. And the weak mean they, the, they could be physically, emotionally, spiritually, and they are not to be talked about. They are not to be judged, but rejoiced in, served, and given a place. And so if this is you, if you pass out at the sight of blood like me, this is the place for you. We are to be peaceable. Not just at peace with this reality, but to be active in it, to be peaceable. It is not just the responsibility of the leaders, but of all of us to know one another. To know what makes each other pass out. To know our areas of weakness. To know where we need to be admonished, where we're idle. We are all to know one another and then know what to give and give it patiently. We don't give admonishment to the weak and we don't give encouragement to the idle. But that takes time. We have to figure out when someone is struggling which it is. And sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes they're an area of weakness and there also is an area of idleness. And so we want to help them in the weakness, but we're going to have to admonish in the idleness. And what this requires is listening. And we're not very good at that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is so convicting again in his book, Life Together. He says, but she who can no longer listen to her sister will soon be no longer listening to God either. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. We don't listen because of pride and hurried and we're so important. Well, if we're not listening to each other, chances are we're not listening to God either. We are to listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God that we may all be built up. The only way to know one another is, is through this and the only way to know what to give and when and to whom and at the right time because the same sister will need admonishment one day and, and help the next day and encouragement the next day and sometimes all within the same hour if you're like me. The relationship, admonishing the idol. Identify where their lives are disorderly, where they are opting out. There is a relationship between idleness and sin, and so we cannot ignore idleness. We leave idleness, those who are idle to themselves, and they are going to fall into the traps of sin. And it is our responsibility. We are our sister's keeper. We were talking about this in the leader meeting, and I loved what Tanya said. She said she was thinking about this idleness. I was asking, which area do you think is the greatest in the church? And just quick as, as could be, she said, idleness. You know, it's a big issue among us, and it's true, but she had a great insight. She said, it, we often don't know what to do with it. I mean, people are often idle because they don't know what to do. They've never been told. Wow, that's a great concept. And if we settle for not intruding, or they'll just figure it out, and we don't speak into it, we bear the responsibility when their life unravels. How many times have we seen somebody fall into sin, and we've said, oh, I kind of saw that coming. But we didn't admonish. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. Encourage the faint-hearted. 
console, come alongside, value them. Dever had, Mark Dever he had a great illustration of this. He said it's like when you're walking a candle through a room and you have cup it so that it doesn't blow out. Isn't that a beautiful picture of encouraging the faint-hearted? Console, come alongside, value them. Learn what their blood is. What is it that scares them? Speak truth into it. Understand it. Identify with it. We want to know, okay, maybe your blood isn't my blood, but you have something that causes you to faint. Tell me what yours is. Identify with me. Encourage them. Show them where they can contribute, that they have a place among us. Help the weak. Hold up those who are seeking how to get strong in this new life. Those who are typically left out. The dismissed, the walked over, the put down. Oh, as a, as a group of women, those should be the very ones we run to. See them, bring them in. Connect them as we hear their stories and we know their areas of weakness, be they physical, emotional, social, spiritual. We then pray and we ask the Spirit to tell us and remind us of who we know, who has been weak in the same area, and God has shown himself faithful, and we connect them. And so then we have a whole group around this candle that it is not blown out, catching her when she passes out. And we do this with the faint-hearted, too. Admit our areas of weakness. Admit our areas where we are faint-hearted, past and present, so that we can connect one another. Ladies, we are all needy. If you are not faint-hearted today, if you are experiencing a season of strength, somebody else gave that to you. Ultimately, it's the Spirit of God and the grace of God that has enabled you to have any area of strength. And for those of us who came to Christ later in life, it was other believers who came alongside us. If we are willing to admit our areas of faint-heartedness and weakness, past and present, we will get connected to those. We will be reminded of how God has been faithful to us. We will be able to speak that same encouragement into each other's life. We'll remember what helped and be able to help. Ed Welch in his book Side by Side says, Your neediness qualifies you to help others. Your neediness offered well to someone else can even be one of the great gifts you give to your church. You will inspire others to ask for help. Side by side, we experience the power of his faithfulness. He will do it. And we need it because around us is evil. Paul is asking the Thessalonians to recognize also the evil that is around them. To be at peace because it's also within them. All wrongs done will be avenged by God. He will not only set all things right. We're going to look at this a lot next week, so this is just a teaser. He will not only set all things right, but until then, every wrong done to us, he is working out for his glory and your good. Talk about peace. We are at peace to be peaceable. We don't just accept this reality that God is at work making all things right and working all things for his good and for his glory. We join him. We be peaceable in the way that when we are wronged, we do what is completely unnatural and and really impossible without his spirit. We do good. We return evil for good. This do good includes, includes all And it also includes helping in one another not repay 
but to do good. This is often unacceptable in this world to do good to all. You know, we often settle for just not doing evil in return. And we give the silent treatment. Or we pull ourselves out of the relationship. Ladies, this only enables us and encourages us to brew in our anger, trust me. To do good is to erase the invisible line. To not be left out of what he wants to do in their life and in your life. Paul Miller reminds us in a praying life, we can't do battle with evil or with the wrongs done to us without letting God destroy the evil in us as well. The world is far too intertwined. We are capable of every wrong that has ever been done to us and then some. And when we do good to those who have wronged us, if we ask him, he will reveal to us how great is his love towards us, the good he has done to us in return for the evil we have done to him. Romans 14, 19, So then let us pursue in what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. We do good when we remind each other of what God has not done to repay our evil and the good he has done instead, sending us his son. One of our leaders shared this in the leader meeting. I'm going to make you all want to be a leader. Um, She shared about an unfair action against her that was very costly. And, of course, I've had permission from both of these to share. She shared about unfair actions against her that were very costly, monetarily, time-wise, emotionally. And I love how she she told us all that she admitted her faint-heartedness online, on her Facebook, to her sisters. And she admitted her crying out to God, why do I have to pay for the mistake of another? And then she also posted online God's response to her. God said to her as she cried out to him, you mean like my son did for you? And her response to God, she also posted, so true. Thank you, Lord. And I love that she not only asked her sisters to encourage her and to help her in her faint-heartedness and her weakness, but she posted this response so they could know how they did help her. See, it was them interceding for her that helped her hear the voice of God saying to her, you mean like my son? Which was not a word of condemnation. As she shared that she's weeping, it's a word of joy and release and peace. How more profoundly can we declare the gospel to one another and to the world than to repay evil with good? Those over us, beside us, and around us are not to be left out. But this will not happen unless we recognize all that is between us. When we recognize what is between us, all the invisible lines begin to truly disappear and none are left behind. So what is between us? Paul is asking the Thessalonians to recognize what is between them, that nothing come between them. And what is it that's between them? They are at peace with God. Jesus has made peace with God for us. Ladies, Jesus taking on the form of a man, oh, I just can't get over this, crossed not an invisible line, but a very real boundary. A dividing line between sinful man and a holy God. And he lived the life we cannot. He lived at peace among all, those over, those beside, those around. And this created more than tension. It stirred up a deadly hostility that led to a cross. 
But this cross was planned by God before time that evil might be destroyed without destroying us, that he could repay our evil with good. Ephesians 2.14, For he himself is our peace, Jesus, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. On that cross, in those three hours of darkness, he was set out of fellowship with the God he loves, that we could be brought in to break that line. That we should never be divided from our God again. That we might be joined to him. And Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, and by God's hand, we are being told, this joy with which you receive this good news, stay in it. Don't move on from the gospel, move in to the good news of Jesus. Rejoice always. The one who died for us is now raised, and he is returning to set all aright. Joy, rejoicing always, is a hope that exists in the midst of uncertainty, difficulty, grief, and suffering. To rejoice always is to ongoingly, consistently recognize he holds all things, is at work in all things. Paul Selhammer says, Joy is that deep, settled confidence that God is in control of every area of my life. It's not happiness. It's a peace. It's a supernatural peace. That God is in control of every area of my life. When we know his love remains, when we really understand what he, what he gave to bring us into his love, and what he's doing to keep us in that love, when we know how steadfast is his love, so steadfast will be our rejoicing. I was having a conversation with Amy about this the other day. We were talking about waiting and how for so long waiting was so much harder than it is. It's getting easier and easier. This is one of those things you can enjoy as you get older and you get to rejoice in the Lord longer. You begin to see that through the waiting you make a lot less mistakes and you see how God is going to work things out. And the waiting becomes something that's actually kind of a privilege. Not that it's easy. It's just it gets a little bit more exciting. Is anybody with me? Am I totally out there on a... And so we were talking back and forth, and we kind of came up, I don't remember which of us said this, but we kind of came to the conclusion that sovereignty is a luxury that we have. That God is in control, that he is all good, and that he is all wise, that is a luxury the rest of the world does not have. We can rejoice always. We are at peace. But we won't without being peaceable, being active. I think Paul is saying this rejoice always is worked out through praying, through thanksgiving, through not quenching the spirit. So we begin by praying without ceasing. This praying without ceasing is to express continual confidence in a good, good father who is perfect in all of his ways. I don't think this praying necessarily is about interceding, asking for things, praying for others. This is an ongoing conversation that says, I know you're here. I know you're in control. I know you are a good, good father. You are perfect in all of your ways. It's inviting his presence into every moment. It's not, it's not every moment on our knees. It's no moment without him. Not each moment in prayer. No moment outside of his presence. Paul Miller, again in his book, A Praying Life, says, Prayer is a moment of incarnation. God with us. 
God involved in the details of my life. And I love what C.S. Lewis once said. He said, I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. And this leads to giving thanks. When we're praying without ceasing, recognizing his powerful presence, recognizing he's perfect in all of his ways, we then can give thanks in all circumstances. And we give thanks in all circumstances because we know the one beyond every circumstance. We can give thanks in all circumstances because we know the one beyond our circumstances, working all things together for good as Romans 8.28 reminds us. And then go on in Romans 8.28. Keep going. Never stop there. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Wow. Word of God speak. Thankful in all things is to remind each other we don't know all things. Another great favorite quote of mine by C.S. Lewis is, of course, the first words out of our mouth when we get to heaven. See, I think, in a sense, that to be thankful in all things, if we continue in that, there will be a day we will be thankful for all things. Some of them on this side of eternity, every one of them on the other side. Because we will see what God was doing. Being peaceable, praying without ceasing, giving thanks, leads to consistent rejoicing. And this consistent rejoicing erases the invisible line between us and God. And then one another, releasing his spirit. Between us is the spirit of God at work in us as a community. Think about that. The very spirit of God is at work among us and in us as individuals. Words of God given to us to reveal his mind and his heart for us. This is what it means by prophecy. And we are called to fan the flame of his spirit among us by together welcoming God's words, both through the teaching of the word, the reading of the word, the absorbing of the word, and through how one another are being led in the word in our individual lives. Words of God, prophecy, We're creating tension in Thessalonica. The Thessalonians lived in a time when God's prophetic word was not complete. John had not yet written the book of Revelation that tells of the end and ever after. And prophetic gifts at the time of the Thessalonians were were being used to manipulate and create divisions. To these, Paul says, I get what's happening, but don't reject prophecy just because there's bad stuff out there. Test it. Today, ladies, we have the completed word of God. There is no more prophetic word of what will happen in the future. But God is still speaking. His word is living and active, and he speaks through it, and he speaks through one another. What we can all agree on is the adequacy and the sufficiency of the Holy Spirit-inspired word of God. Amen? And can we all agree that God works in us through his Holy Spirit, applying that word to our lives in things like, where am I going to school my kids next year? And so, for certain, to dismiss the word of God being proclaimed or to dismiss how the Spirit is leading another believer is to despise prophecy. To dismiss any word of God proclaimed or dismiss how God is leading another through his word is to despise prophecy. We are to test it. The one who teaches the word and the one who senses the leading of God's Spirit through the word, each are to be tested. 
But we are not to automatically reject just because it seems a little weird or they're in a different camp than us. None are left behind. If the Holy Spirit invites testing, should we not invite testing? So when you sense the Lord is leading you through his word, get it tested. Don't be afraid to have it tested. Go to those who know him well. Test. Hold on to what is good. Never let it slip out of your hands. Once you know it is truth, don't treat true prophecy lightly. Too often we dismiss the teachings and leadings of God based on the messenger rather than the message. Oh, this is to despise prophecy. Every teaching of God's word, whether we like the style or not, has fruit for us. It is God's word. And to reject it is to dismiss God's spirit, who desires us so much. Should we not desire him? This is to be leaving someone behind. We will miss out. We are not to treat true prophecy lightly, but neither are we to treat treat false prophecy lightly. We are to test, to abstain from what is evil. And false prophecy is included here. Together we are to test on God's requirements, not ours though. That's the thing. We like to test what people say. God's telling them. We like to test every pastor and teacher we hear, whether we know them or not. But we have our set of criteria. No, it should be the Lord's criteria. And we may find the teachers and speakers that we really like are not the ones we should be listening to at all. And we may find those that we're dismissing because they hear from the Lord are the ones we should be listening to. Together we are to test based on God's requirements, not ours. What are they? The scriptures is what being taught and what being someone's being led by are consistent with the scriptures? Are they consistent with the Savior of the scriptures? Who he is, how he lived, the gospel, the good news of Jesus? Do they, do, are they, are they, do, then there's the spirit test. Does it point to Jesus? And then tested by the saints. We need to be, let other people test what we hear, what we teach. Jeff goes over all my stuff several times before I teach, and I ask him to please tell me, and I have other people listen. I know I am giving you things that aren't right, and I just keep praying for that grass to wither and the flower to fade and only the word of the Lord to remain. Absolutely, me above all else, test. Test everything. Neither totally accept nor totally reject. And this takes us back to our need for those over us and our need for those beside us, doesn't it? And we come full circle. All that is between us are commands that remind us none left out means none left behind. And as we look at Paul's final words in 1 Thessalonians, they remind us that we have been given something beyond us that none miss out. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Ladies, we who are at peace with God have the God of peace. We who are at peace with God have the God of peace. We have his very presence within us. Not a one of us is left out. Paul is asking the Thessalonians to join what God has made divinely possible and empowering within them to change them, to draw them in. If we have trusted in Jesus, we are at peace with God and we have the God of peace, his very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in us. Hallelujah. Could we be a little charismatic today? This is, this is, this is big. And as far as I'm studying, it's true. (laughs) 
Paul is aware of human weakness, and Paul is going beyond it. He, he's aware that Thessalonians can't do this. They much less can't get it without the Spirit. And he's going beyond them. He's looking to the God of peace to give them understanding, and the God of peace to empower that understanding into action, to get them to know they are at peace with God, and for them to be empowered to be peaceable. And so should we look beyond us for the empowerment. Until Jesus returns, he who authored our salvation is finishing it. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. None left out means none left behind, for none have been left without the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Lord. It is grace from the beginning, and it is grace to the end. God carries out the work, but he doesn't do it forcibly. And here comes in human responsibility. So the question today is, where are we missing it? How are you missing out? How am I missing out? I tossed and turned all night asking myself this question. Lord, where am I missing out? Whom am I leaving behind? What invisible line have I drawn out of my superiority and my inferiority, my insecurity, my envy, my competition, my jealousy, my fears, my pride? What invisible lines need to be erased? And what have I left behind that is to be between, that is to be between you and I? Is it rejoicing consistently in the God who gave everything? to break down that wall, his blood. My prayer is that we won't miss out on the working of the Holy Spirit that is among us today by neither dismissing the words of 1 Thessalonians 5 nor dismissing how God is leading one another through that word. Oh, Father, will you bring to mind right now in these last moments Will you speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit? And we know whatever you speak to us, you will also empower us to obey. Whom are we leaving out? And what are we leaving behind? Lord, I pray that your Spirit would not only help us identify, but give us the courage to share it, be held accountable, and to have sisters pray for us. That we might not miss out on the power that is within us, that your son died to give to us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us. Amen.